Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the first episode of Sports for Psychos, the show where I'll talk about sports for anyone crazy enough to listen. My name is Brayden. I'll be your host. Today is Monday, April 6th, on a beautiful day here from Vancouver. We've got a great show planned for you today. Today we're going to talk a little bit about the NFL. Uh, We'll talk a little bit about the coronavirus and how that'll impact our major sports leagues. A little bit about the NBA, including that amazing Hall of Fame class we got coming up. And then a little bit about the Olympics and what that's going to look like or what we think that's going to look like. So we'll kick off the show by talking about the NFL offseason. It's one of the only things that happened in sports in the past couple of months because of this quarantine. Crazy times we live in. So uh, I'm going to rank my five favorite and then my five least favorite moves of this offseason. We'll start with my favorite. Uh, we'll go from five to one here. My f- fifth favorite move of the offseason. The Browns signing Jack Coughlin. Jack Coughlin, young, 26 years old, potential great right tackle, played for Tennessee last year, and is crucial in helping them reach that AFC championship game against the Chiefs. Uh, for the Browns, that's a huge piece that helps out their offensive line, which struggled hugely last year when it comes to protecting uh, Baker Mayfield. They were great run blocking. However, pass blocking, they struggled a little bit more. It'll be great to see if Jack Coughlin can uh, help out that offensive line and maybe protect Baker a little more. He takes a few less shots next year. Maybe this team is better. Maybe they make a playoff run. Who knows? Um, They signed him to a three-year, $42 million deal, which I think is a relatively team-friendly deal for a franchise right tackle. They get their franchise right tackle for decently cheap. He still makes his bank. They're helping Baker Bout, trying to give him all the weapons he possibly needs to succeed. They already got great pieces at wide receiver, a franchise halfback. What more could you ask for? Well, a great offensive line. There is no more excuses for Freddie Kitchens and Baker Mayfield. They got to get the job done this year. So uh, we'll see how they do. My fourth favorite move of this offseason, the Cowboys franchise tagging Dak. They signed Amari Cooper, their star wide receiver, to a massive deal. He made bank. They paid Demarcus Lawrence, that's their starting left end, massive deal. Paid Zeke copious amounts of money after he skips training camp and goes on yachts and sits on the beach for two months. They had to take care of Dak. They brought new Mike McCarthy, a head coach. That'll be interesting. They wanted to see how he paired with him. Dak, not signing that franchise deal yet. I think the Cowboys offering him that franchise deal. Good move. Hopefully, for their sake, he takes it. I don't think he will. I think uh, Dak is looking for a long-term contract he feels he deserves because he is a franchise quarterback. I do not think he is worth $40 million, like he's saying he's worth. I think that's top five quarterback in the league. To me, top five quarterback, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, those are the quarterbacks making $40 million a year. Um, I don't think Dak's at that level yet. No one's saying he can't be. He's still young. Lots of room to improve, but overall, I think if the Cowboys can get Dak on that franchise deal contract to see how he works with his new coach for a year, I think that would be great for Dallas, not so much for Dak. My third favorite move of this offseason, Baltimore Ravens signing defensive end Calais Campbell on a two-year $27 million deal. Calais Campbell, stud right end for the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars last year. Big, big part of that defense. He was a huge part of that defense a few years ago whenever they made that AFC championship run and ultimately ran into the powerhouse that is the Patriots. But he was a huge part of that. 
He helped out that secondary hugely. He's an elite pass rusher, even at 31 years of age, getting up there in age now. But the contract was only signed for two years. I think he helps out an electric Ravens team, make an even further playoff run this year. Obviously, their season ended in disappointing fashion last year with the loss in their first ever playoff game after the monstrous regular season. So we'll see if he makes a difference on that already elite defense. I think he could help them take the next step towards this, potentially making a championship run next year. The Ravens got all the pieces in place. They did lose Marshall Yonda. We'll see if that comes back to bite them. But I think Calais Campbell, great signing on the defensive end, relatively team-friendly deal at two years, $27 million. Hopefully that puts that Ravens team over the hump. My second favorite move, and a lot of people are going to rip me for this, Tom Brady to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That is not my top move. You'll see what is in just a sec. He signs a two-year, $50 million deal with the Buccaneers. Buccaneers all of a sudden become a threat. That division is ridiculous with Matt Ryan, Drew Brees, and Tom Brady all playing in the same division. It's going to be great to watch next year. Um... I think Tom Brady plays great with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, who gave up number 12 to Brady. That's a great sign of respect. Uh, I think that receiving core clicks right away. We'll see if Antonio Brown follows him to Tampa Bay, although we have heard reports that he will not be, despite Antonio Brown and Tom Brady's apparent love affair. I think that offense becomes explosive right away. I think they are one of the most exciting teams to watch in the NFL. I think they jump the gun right out the bat, and they are probably one of the best teams. I think they win that division. I think Tom Brady is on a mission to prove he's got some left in the tank, and having Drew Brees in the division definitely does not hurt as extra motivation. They will be nothing short of extraordinary this year on the offensive side of the ball. I think the defensive side of the ball still has questions, but they have playmakers. Quan Alexander, Shaq Barrett make up a great linebacking group. Shaq Barrett was a force to be reckoned with last year on the defensive side of the ball. Tied for the lead league in sacks. Elite players. Um, They could use some help in their secondary, but I think the offense probably makes up for the defense. I say they finish 11-5, make the playoffs, make a little bit of a run here. My top pick for this year's NFL offseason was Philip Rivers signing to the Colts at one year, $25 million, fully guaranteed. I think that Colts team is stacked. I think they're primed and ready to make a playoff run. They were doing great with Jacoby Brissett last year before he got hurt. Elite offensive line. Um, they, they, they are a great run blocking team. They have elite runners. And a great defense. Very young team. Very ready team. Lots of energy on that team. They're ready to go. They have built up a good offensive line through the draft. Played young. Played smart. Built with their draft picks. And I think they're primed to make a really, really good playoff run here. I think they were one piece away. I think that piece was a quarterback. And Phillip Rivers is definitely that. It may have looked like he was slinging a medicine ball at the end of last year instead of a football. He's getting up there in age. I think the one-year deal suits the team well. They'll see if he's got anything left in the tank. If he doesn't, they got an extremely suitable backup in Jacoby Brissett. If they don't trade him away, he could be a very valuable trade piece. You never know. That could be something they look to trade for maybe another wide receiver as their only real threat. On the offensive side of the ball, not named Marlon Mack, the running back, is T.Y. Hilton. 
As much as T.Y. Hilton is great, he's not the go-up-and-get-it deep ball wide receiver you want on a team that's primed to make a playoff run. He doesn't have the size or the stature of a Mike Evans or something like that, the weapons Tom Brady would have. We'll see. I think the Colts play extremely well this year. I think they finish 10-6. and six. I think they make the playoffs. I think they are primed to make a playoff push. I could totally see them being in contention for this. Love to see this Colts team. I'd love to see them do well. I think they'll be electric to watch this year. We'll see what happens. Now we get to the five worst moves of the offseason. Some teams made some very stupid decisions within the past couple of weeks. Some teams potentially bombed their entire franchise for the next 10 years in the past two weeks. There have been some franchise-altering decisions made by some very stupid people paid a lot of money to make these decisions. Let's get it started. Uh, My fifth worst move of this offseason, the Bills trade for Stephon Diggs. Now, you might be thinking, that is a great move. They got Stephon Diggs, Stephon Diggs, elite wide receiver, playmaker. Wrong. They gave up a one, a four, and a five in picks in this next year's draft. That is three draft picks, one of them being in the first round. Stephon Diggs argued his way out of Minnesota by Twitter, basically. This dude did not want to be there. He has notable diva problems. He is a notable cancer in the locker room. He has had several issues with every single quarterback he has played with, with the exception of maybe Sam Bradford. They have not looked like an elite offense, despite having the pieces to be an elite offense. He complained about his quarterback not getting the ball last year. I think that argument was fair, but in turn, he did not look good for it. We'll see what happens this year. I think the Bills giving up a 1, a 4, and a 5 is far too much for a guy who's a potential locker room cancer. You do not want those guys in your locker room. That kills the mood. It makes it very, very, very hard to make a playoff run here down the stretch. And you gave up your first-round pick. First-round picks, usually playmakers, usually come in, make some plays for your team. That's a big deal to give up. I think that is a great move for the Minnesota Vikings, however, who are getting a first-round, a fourth, and a fifth out of this. And getting rid of a player who wanted out anyway, who was a trouble in the locker room, who their quarterback didn't necessarily have a good relationship with. And the Vikings are still an elite offensive team with Dalvin Cook, Kirk Cousins, and Adam Thielen. As well as you got big town Kyle Rudolph out there on the outside. He's pass blocking. He's run blocking. He's making plays for you through the air. Great player. Uh, But Bills, terrible move. Should not have traded for Stephon Diggs there. My fourth worst move of this offseason, the Lions signed Jamie Collins, three years, $30 million. Uh, Jamie Collins is 30 years old. When this contract is up, Jamie Collins will be 33. That's 30 plus three. That's some real tough math there, guys. So that means they will be paying him $10 million a year at 33 to be playing a position that is not quarterback. NFL players who do not play quarterback, who are not elite quarterbacks, are typically not good after 30. Paying a guy $10 million for a dude who had two very mediocre seasons with the Browns not too long ago doesn't look great for your organization. You're paying them a lot of money. The Lions, notable, terrible organization, don't make a lot of big moves. They had to make a splash in free agency this year in order to have a chance, and they did not. They signed a linebacker. Three years, $30 million, 
far too much money, far too much term. Jamie Collins got a steal here. He's going to be making bank for the next three years, probably until he retires when he is 33 years old and no longer able to play football because he has so many injuries. Also, Lions defense, terrible. They He will be playing lots of stats, lots of grueling moments on the body. Should be fun to see how he handles it. Maybe he pans out. Maybe he plays super well and he proves me wrong. I don't know. I'll have to eat my words at that point. I can't see it. I don't think he'll play well into his 30s. He is uh, getting up there in age. It should be interesting to see what happens with him. My third least favorite move of the offseason. The Jets sign O-tackle George Fant. Three-year, $30 million contract. George Fant, relatively young. Offensive tackle. Played pretty well last year. This should be a decent move. The reason I am saying it is a bad move is because this was the Jets' big splash of the offseason. It is no shocker to anyone that the Jets were horrendous last year. They had one marquee win. It was against the Dallas Cowboys early in the season. And after that, were absolutely brutal. Sam Darnold, I truly believe, great quarterback. I do not think... Sam Darnold can carry that team with no weapons. They have nobody on the offensive side of the ball and uh, no weapons to throw to. Le'Veon Bell, rough year last year, didn't play the way we all expected after he sat out a year, probably getting some of that rust off. I think we can all hope he's back to normal this year because that would be good for football. But overall, I think Jets, terrible offseason. Your marquee signing cannot be an O-tackle when you are missing as many weapons as you are around your franchise quarterback. The dude who you have invested lots of draft capital and I'm assuming are about to sign to a massive deal here coming up. Can't be making those mistakes. You need a bigger free agent splash. You are New York. You should, you're in a marquee market. Get some players. You need some weapons, especially with some of the guys who are available either in free agency or or through trading, as we're going to see coming up here. My second worst move comes to one of the only organizations in the league worse than the Lions and the Jets. This organization does not have an indoor practice facility. They are a pro football team who operates like a junior team. That's right, the Cincinnati Bengals, the only team that might be able to screw up having a first overall pick in a draft with a potentially franchise quarterback from your hometown. They signed Trey Wayne's three-year, $42 million. Let me repeat that. Three years, $42 million for Trey Wayne's. Trey Wayne's is not an elite cornerback. Darius Slay, who the Eagles signed, elite cornerback, should be paid as such. Xavier Rhodes, elite cornerback. We had a lot of elite cornerbacks. Patrick Peterson in this league. Jalen Ramsey should be paid like elite cornerbacks. Trey Wayne's not an elite cornerback. This guy gets exposed by bigger receivers. He's not overly fast off the ball. He can't press super well. He is not a number one guy. Why are you paying him like that? I don't hate the move of the Bengals signing Trey Wayne's. I do hate the amount of money they're paying him. It is three years. I think that's a pretty good term. However, the fact that you are paying him like an elite corner cannot happen. He is not an elite corner. He is not a number one corner. He's not going to be your shutdown guy. He is not going to take away the other team's top wide receiver. If you try to put him on the other team's top wide receiver, he is going to have a field day and your team will most likely lose. We saw it 
on the Vikings. He was playing somewhere between a second corner from time to time to a slot corner in nickel packages. He, you cannot pay him like a top corner. That's going to hurt the salary cap later on. Not a good move for the Bengals. Terrible organization. I'll say it time and time again. Now, the worst move of the offseason. You have all heard about. Shocked the football world. The Texans trade potentially the best wide receiver in the league, DeAndre Hopkins, to the Arizona Cardinals. Now, you must be thinking, you trade the best wide receiver in the league in his prime. You must be getting a haul back for him. You must be getting the mother load back for him. This is not true. All they got back was David Johnson, a 2020 second, and a 2021 fourth. Folks, that is robbery. The Texans gave up the best play, the best wide receiver in the league, the best player on their team, maybe alongside J.J. Watt, for a bag of pucks. David Johnson, elite running back a few years ago, took fantasy leagues by storm, has not been the same since. He is not what he once was. I do not know if the Texans general manager is living in the past and thinks he can spark that David Johnson of old. Even if it was that David Johnson of old, I still don't think this deal makes any sense. You are trading the best wide receiver in the league in his physical prime. DeAndre Hopkins does not drop passes. He doesn't. He's the best wide receiver in the league. Maybe you can put him up there with Michael Thomas, Mike Evans, a few other guys. He's in an elite group. And you traded him for a second round pick, David Johnson, and a fourth next year. You are not getting your money's worth for this guy. I cannot believe they didn't get more for him. I can't believe they traded him, frankly. I think that trade was brutal. I think you keep DeAndre Hopkins. I think he brings people into the stadium. I think people pay their hard-earned dollar dues to come watch this guy play. You cannot trade him away. Deshaun Watson just lost his number one weapon. He's still a young quarterback. We'll see what type of effect that has on him. And hopefully, I hope for the sake of the Texans, that David Johnson pans out and becomes a great running back, but he's not even going to start Kenyon Drake's phenomenal year last year. We'll see what he does. So I I can't see the Texans, uh, I can't see this deal ever panning out for the Texans. Cardinals, congratulations. You got the steal of the offseason in acquiring DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, I have teams I would have rather seen him go to. I would, I'm obviously a fan of the Eagles. Eagles, we always need wide receivers. We're always hurt. It'd be nice if he went there or somewhere else. But at the end of the day, Arizona, congratulations. You got the steal of the of the offseason. Texans, what are you doing? Why would you trade away your best player in his physical prime? This doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, I expect to see ticket sales decrease for them. Stupid, stupid decision by them. You've got to think that through a little more I, I just can't see like I can't see what possible rationale you could have for trading away your best player okay switching gears here um we're gonna go and talk about what we can expect to see from sports in the future as we know we're all shut down we're all stuck at home we've all played way too many video games in the past few days we're all lit we're all online we're all watching youtube this is killing all of us. We're stuck inside. Everybody wants to see sports. Um, so let's talk about when we can expect to see sports again. Uh, Donald Trump came out with a press release yesterday on April 5th 
saying that he wanted to see people in stadiums by August or September. Great news for us NFL fans, not so much for the NBA and NHL fans. If that is the case, NBA and NHL seasons will almost certainly be cancelled. Uh, it will be far too late to resume them at that point. If we hit that target goal of August or September, it does mean the NFL season will go on as planned. However, they will miss out on their OTAs, which will be a big, big, big deal. Um, OTAs, underrated time for NFL players. Uh, it's when they get... They, they remain in physical shape all offseason, but they get that timing back. They get that chemistry back. You got new players. You want to get a chemistry with them, wide receivers to quarterbacks and vice versa. You got to get a chemistry on the D-line, O-line. A lot of pieces that need to mesh together very, very perfectly for everything to go well. So uh, let's hope for our sake that the NFL season starts on time. But even if it does... Uh, probably no OTAs, probably a pretty messy start to the season. You'll probably see some good teams start out with bad starts, rocky starts. Probably see some bad teams get lucky, start out hot. Probably be a pretty messy start to the season. And hopefully we can get people in stadiums earlier so we can get these NBA and uh, NHL seasons started up again. NBA was having a great year. The Battle of Los Angeles was a real thing, man. That rivalry was real. I wanted to see that. Western Conference final matchup, I don't think we'll get to anymore. Tough, sucks for the NBA fans. Hopefully, NFL, come back, start strong. I'm fingers crossed for that. We all want to see sports again. We all want something to cheer for again in this tough time. We'll see what happens. Fingers crossed. The doctors are working their tail ends off. Hopefully, we can get people back in stadiums soon. Hopefully, we can get these leagues started up again soon. I'm fingers crossed here. Let's talk about one of the leagues who has pioneered the coronavirus outbreak uh, sports leagues. The NBA has made significant efforts to get stuff on TV to try to give some people something to cheer for again. They are trying very hard to, in some manifestation, get their league up and running again. Mark Cuban, owner of the Dallas Mavericks, has been a pioneer for this for the NBA. Commissioner, same deal. Everybody in the NBA is working very hard, very impressive to see, great to see, great to see these efforts being put forward. They've tried things like uh, playing with empty stands. Couldn't do that. Too many people were required in the process to get everything filmed and set up and all that. Far, far, far too many people required. Uh, they couldn't do that. So didn't give up, kept trying. They have now decided that since most players make millions and millions of dollars playing this game that most of them have home gyms. So they've decided to play a league-wide game of horse or attempt to from players from their home gym. Still don't know what the logistics of that's going to look like. We do not know, but we are hoping that we get some kind of NBA content coming out soon. I know I am. Gives me something to talk about and gives us all something to watch in these incredibly hard times. Hopefully they get that done. One thing we have been able to watch, one thing that hasn't gotten canceled, eSports. The NBA has hosted a 2K tournament uh, for all active NBA players. You can watch it on YouTube. They stream it live on Twitch. Great, great, great thing to watch. Gives you something to do, something to cheer for. Cheer for your favorite players as they play 2K. It's not a sponsorship. Just giving you guys an idea, some content to watch. They're putting that on right now. It's on Twitch. It's on YouTube. All major streaming platforms. Go take a look. Go look at it. It was pretty fun. I checked it out. 
Um, now, a couple of leagues. So NBA obviously pioneering this, us trying to get back into cheering for something, even in these tough times where we can't have large groups of people gathering together. NBA pioneering that. A couple of leagues who haven't. The NHL, I am disappointed. Huge hockey fan. I play hockey. I love hockey. Love watching hockey. Um, NHL made little to no effort to get some type of league up and running. Um, I feel like they're not great at publicizing their league in general. And I think this has kind of been an exclamation point in that. They have done a brutal job of trying to get something up and running. Uh, the NBA done a great job. I think the NHL should follow that lead, try and get some kind of from-home skills competition, start an NHL tournament online, uh, EA Sports, great game. So start something like that. Try to build, give us something to watch from the NHL players while we are all stuck in our homes doing nothing. Also, one other thing I'd like to bring up, commissioners from all major sports leagues have made or booked a call with Roger Goodell. This means literally every sports league, everything from the NFL, NBA, NHL, uh, WWE, all major sports leagues, except for the NCAA. The NCAA apparently has no interest in talking to Trump about trying to come up with a way to resume their sports league. Even the NHL has a meeting scheduled with Trump in the coming week here. We'll see what comes of that. I'll keep you posted. But the NCAA, no call, could be in large part to the fact that their football season is over. Football is how they make a large amount of their money. And uh, they maybe do not want to start up the other events. They lose money on them anyway. Football's their profitable thing. Maybe my guess is they will only start getting seriously worried about this thing if it starts to cut into football season. Because that is where they make their serious dough. Um, hopefully all these sports leagues back up and running soon. Uh, everybody's putting their best effort forward. We give our thanks and our prayers to the workers on the front lines who are doing their best to put in their time to get us all back to quote unquote normal as fast as possible. Okay. We're going to switch gears one more time here. We're going to start talking about the NBA. Um, so we've got some potential scenarios here for the NBA. If they can get this thing in control enough to the point where they can play games with or without fans in the stadium, um, I would like to see a playoff scenario. Adam Silver, feel free to use this. Okay, I'm giving you I'm giving you a free playoff scenario. It's my insight. Okay, so what we do, we take same number of teams as always. First two rounds, you play best of five. Best of five, and then you're left with four teams after these two rounds of best of five series. Play a final four style college tournament neutral location setup. I think it's exciting. It's riveting. It's more of an every game matters than our normal best of seven playoffs. I think it's something we can do to make the most of this time. I could totally, totally see us potentially expanding, maybe making it a uh, more teams in the playoffs. However, I want to see that final four single elimination setup uh, that you see in March Madness that I think we're going to miss in March Madness because of 
this coronavirus. Uh, it's another thing. Shame missing the March Madness. Super exciting every year. Hopefully we get some NBA basketball before and this season doesn't completely cancel. I think this season was probably a pretty huge opportunity for LeBron to cement his legacy if he could win another chip here. So this season's pretty huge for a lot of people. Um, another thing on basketball note, a little off topic here. Uh, NCAA has declined eligibility as of two days ago for the um, for college players to play another season. That's a big deal. Uh, if you're a senior and you are not a future NBA superstar and this was your last chance to play on that college stage, we all know we all love it. Uh, if that was your last chance and this happened and you do not get granted another year of eligibility, that would sting. I do not agree with a lot of things the, N- the NCAA does. This is on another level. I think you have to let the kids play another year. You have to give them that year of eligibility back. That is a big, big, big deal. Uh, back to the NBA now. Uh, if we could get that, if we can get the playoffs up and running, uh, I think it would be a great thing to see. I think it would give people something to cheer for, even if we weren't allowed to have people back in the stands. So I think uh, if we could set something up where even if we quarantine the players with their families so that they're not separated from them and then bring them in just to play a playoff or an exhibition game or some type of series, um, maybe you do like an in-house tournament with certain players, do like a three-on-three tournament. Actually, that's a pretty good idea. Let, let's try to set up a three-on-three tournament in the NBA. Uh, but if we can get some players in uh, quarantine, try and get them healthy, try and get them ready to go so that we can have something to cheer for here in the coming months, I think that would be a great thing to see. That's something we'd all love to see. We all want something to cheer for in this time. So uh, fingers crossed about that. One thing we can all be happy about in the NBA is this Hall of Fame class. Some are calling it the best Hall of Fame class ever. I would argue it is definitely up there. This Hall of Fame class boasts names such as Kevin Garnett, highest paid player of all time. By the way, good for him, making bank. Tim Duncan, big fundamental. And then our beloved Kobe Bryant. Yeah, we got to talk about that a little bit. So obviously everybody who uh, watched basketball, knew basketball, even was around it a little bit. Almost everyone knew of Kobe and anyone around it probably had a great deal of passion towards him, whether it was love or hate. I think uh, Kobe, definite superstar in the league, one of the best of all time, one of the best to ever lace it up. Uh, We're all so sad we do not get to hear his Hall of Fame speech. I do think it's great he's getting inducted into the Hall. Great deal of respect. And he comes in with one of the best classes ever suited to his greatness. Um, I do think it'd be great, and I do think they have something planned for Kobe, where they are going to do like a whole program on Kobe. So they're going to try to talk about Kobe and do, uh, they, they've got some kind of a plan where Kevin Garnett and uh, Tim Duncan, the other two biggest players in this Hall of Fame class, are going to go up, talk about their experience, what it was like to play against Kobe, Obviously, that dude was an absolute killer, an absolute tank. So, um, obviously, that should be fun. Looking forward to hear what they have to say. And uh, obviously, it's tragic we don't get to hear his Hall of Fame speech. He was, uh, he'll be missed. 
He's a he's a legend in the game. He's a legend in sports. He's a legendary human. That guy, uh, he was just great at everything he did. Whether it was picking up a basketball or him deciding, nah, don't want to play basketball anymore. I'm going to go win an Oscar. Ghost does that. Great at that. Makes one of the greatest short films I've ever seen. I loved it. I've watched it several times. I've read his book. His book is great. Everything that guy touches turns to gold. He is just a phenomenal, was just a phenomenal, phenomenal human being. Great father to his kids. Great husband from everything I've heard. Just legendary human being. Um, He'll be missed. Let's talk about saying a little more positive, though. The other two players or the other two players headlining this Hall of Fame class, Kevin Garnett, Tim Duncan, could not be more opposite players. Tim Duncan, very emotionless, very played, almost raw, very, very fundamentally sound game. Obviously, he did not get the nickname Big Fundamental for nothing. That dude is an absolute tank. Uh, His hook shot unguardable. Do not think anyone in the history of the game could stop that bank from 15 feet. It is up there with the unstoppable moves, with the hook shot, dream shake. He is right there with those guys. Kevin Garnett could not be a more opposite player. Gritty player reminds me of like a Draymond Green in today's NBA. He is a run-through-you type of player. He will run through a brick wall. That guy, absolute beast. Obviously deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Highest paid player, of all time in the NBA, good for him, making bank, doing his thing. He was a hustler. He did everything. He rebounded the ball. He assisted the ball. He scored the ball, and obviously, he played legendary defense. Multiple-time Defensive Player of the Year winner. Uh, he is—he's a stud. All defensive teams, almost like almost every year, he was—he would have been a nightmare to play against. Um, absolute, absolute stud. Totally deserves to be the highest paid player ever. He is deserving of all of that money. Um, finally, so let's talk about what this Hall of Fame induction is going to be like. My best guess is that they will introduce everybody not named Kevin Garnett, Tim Duncan, Kobe Bryant at the start. Uh, at the end of the night, introduce Tim Duncan, Kevin Garnett. They will probably both talk about Kobe since they are both classy individuals and do not want the spotlight to remain on themselves the entire time. So I'm assuming they'll talk a little bit about Kobe in their whole speech. And then here's my dream situation for how this all plays out. Either Tim Duncan or Kevin Garnett walks off the stage as the second to last as the second to last inductee. Lights dim. They introduce Kobe. They play a clip with all his fadeaways and Whatever else he's done in the NBA, absolute beautiful player. Fifth most scoring points ever. He is an, or fourth, fourth most scoring points ever. Um, he is an absolute beast. Um, I hope they honor him well. I hope they uh, do what they can to honor him. I think he deserved that. He has definitely earned the right to be respected in this. Uh, we all wish we could hear that legendary Hall of Fame speech from such a legendary person. He worked so hard. The stories about him go on and on about him working out in the dark with the lights off. He is an absolutely insane specimen, truly once-in-a-lifetime human, let alone a basketball player. We all seriously wish we could have heard that Hall of Fame speech. Sure, it would have been great, great storyteller to boot. Too bad we don't get to hear that. Rest in peace, Kobe. Okay, last topic of the day here. Uh, We're going to talk about the Olympics for a little bit. Uh, Olympics, 
probably not going to happen this year. They were postponed to the summer of 2021. Um, big deal? Probably not. Uh, do I wish we would have gotten the Olympics this year? Obviously, as I wish that with all sports. Um, I think the Olympics are a great time, not just for the athletes, but for the players uh, or for the watchers, for the uh, for the com- competitors, for the athletes. Um, this is, for a lot of them, their only time they get to be shown in the spotlight, big time, city lights, bright lights. This is the only time they get that. So it's a big deal when that gets stripped to them, especially when they've been training on grueling schedules for four years to get ready for this Olympics. And then all of a sudden somebody goes, no, you got to do it for another year. At that point, they're probably thinking, go fuck yourself to their trainer probably not happy anymore, probably not happy with themselves, probably emotionally drained, cannot see them wanting to do what they're doing for another year. You can only imagine they're only eating, like literally probably rice, vegetable, meat with no sauce, no salt, no pepper, unbelievably bland. They're training ridiculous hours every day, would not want to be in their shoes being told that I now need to do this for another year to prepare for the Olympics that will now be next year, especially if I thought I was in my physical peak this year. Sucks for them. Tragic for everyone involved. Um, As far as the schedule for the Olympics goes, I have heard some people say that we need to switch the whole schedule for the Olympics. I do not think so. I think you could very easily have the Summer Olympics next year, Winter Olympics year after that, and then have the Olympics go on the same four-year schedule have the break in between the this Summer Olympics and the next Summer Olympics be only three years instead of four. I think that works completely fine. And then you just roll through the Olympics as you normally would every four years. Boom. This never. We, we, we can put this behind us. I do not agree with the idea of changing the whole formality, format of the Olympics. Why do we have to change it? Just cut down the time in between Olympics. It'll only be three years until the next Summer Olympics. That is still plenty of time. I still wish it was more often. So I I think you keep the current uh, scheduling. You just bump this one back a year. Hopefully we are all healthy as a country, as a world, to be ready to go and do that in a year's time. Also, for uh, for the Olympics... This would mean that the Winter Olympics would take place virtually right after the Summer Olympics, a year later in the winter, obviously, instead of the summer. I do think this makes a pretty large impact, as it is the IOC who plans all of these things. That would be unbelievably grueling on them. They would be working crazy long hours to uh, prepare to get ready for the Olympics that would be coming so fast after. I think the IOC works unbelievably hard in general. But I believe this would be a tall task for the IOC. Uh, In a dream world, we get the Summer Olympics next year, Winter Olympics year after that, and then the Summer Olympics again two years later. What a dream come true, right? Three Olympics, five years, which is kind of what I'm hoping for with all sports. Once we get past this terrible virus, we just jump right into it. Bang, bang, boom. We're rolling. We're off the ball. We got a lot of stuff. We got the NCAA tournament. Hopefully, we got some NBA playoffs, some NHL playoffs. We're starting right into the NFL season. That would be a dream come true for sports fans. Um, yeah, that would if we could if we could have that set up, man. 
that'd be pretty cool. We'd, we'd be pretty lucky if we could do that. Um, so I think we wrap it up for there today. Thank anyone who is listening. Thank you very much. Uh, that was the first podcast of Sports with Psychos. I hope you enjoyed. Everyone be safe. Stay healthy. Stay inside. Don't go, don't go partying. No large groups. Have a great day, guys.